thing that I always tell people is, and it's easier said than done, I recognize, which is figure out what you're amazing at, figure out what you love. That's your lane. Do only that, stay in your lane. And as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we're like, yeah, but I have to do all the things, right? Because if I don't, then who will? No one's going to do it the way I do. And that's true. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Bethany Laflamme. Bethany is an entrepreneur, a seasoned deal lawyer, a mother, and a visionary, um, which all really cool titles. Uh, I love the the visionary aspect of this. Um, Bethany, I'll stop there on the intro because I just I want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on the show, taking the time out to be here today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Can we just start with, let's have you tell your background, tell the listener kind of a bit about yourself, um, and then we'll just dive in from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I grew up in a working class family uh, back in Ohio. And um, as a as a smart young person, I was told that the way to get out of my current situation was to go to law school or medical school. So I um, I thought for years and years I was going to be a doctor because I thought those were the two options, right? And I started college and uh, realized that was not for me. So the next option was then to go to law school, <laughs> I guess. So growing up, I didn't realize that um, entrepreneurship or investing or any of that was was a thing that that I could have. Um, so I set my sights on law school and I I moved out to California and really never looked back once I once I moved to California. And as I was as actually after I graduated from law school, you know, I did the things that you're you're supposed to do, right? I went and I got a job at a, a big downtown LA law firm and I worked myself almost to death and um, you know, did my 2000 hours of billables a year, commuting three hours back and forth to an office in LA and all the things, right? And as I was doing that, I realized this is not, I didn't work this hard for for this. This is this can't be it, right? Um, and it's funny, my partner Mauricio and I have a very similar sort of breaking point where we looked at the partners at our law firms and we were like, that's the goal. The goal is to be here every night and every weekend and, you know, barely see your family and, um, you know, barely see your your kids and, and all of those things. And, and I realized this is not what I wanted to do. Now, I still didn't quite yet know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew it wasn't that. So I I set up my own law firm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, but still a lawyer, right? And I did that for a while and it was fine. I liked it fine. Um, but eventually I was like, you know, I really still want to do some more entrepreneurial stuff. So I I shifted gears a couple of times um, and I merged my firm into a mid-market firm based out of Chicago, ran their corporate practice for a while. And I was doing mergers and acquisitions. I was working with venture. I was doing, you know, startup. So I was still doing SEC law, but it was really, it wasn't in real estate at all, actually. It was really on the operating company side, you know, um, oil and gas, tech, medical devices, those kinds of things, and, and the M&A, which was, again, fine, but I was kind of treated like I was the help still, and it was still not that fulfilling. Like, I wanted to really get in there and partner. I was still 
on the sidelines. I wasn't really building things. I was helping other people build things. And I decided to leave the practice of law and start a fund. And I failed miserably. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. It was this like brilliant, complicated model. So brilliant and complicated that no investors understood it. And of course, what happens when people are confused, they say no. So I, uh, I was like, all right, now what do I do, right? This, this fun failed miserably. And around that time, I met Mauricio Rold, my, my current law partner. And he was looking for someone to help him run his growing practice and really wanted to, to not be working himself to death. And I said, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll help you for a little while where I sort of lick my wounds, figure out what's next, you know, but I don't want to go back into the practice of law. I definitely don't want to, you know, I, I, I don't want to do this full time anymore. I just got to figure out what I'm going to do. So I started doing some work with him and I started meeting his clients and I had never done real estate before. Um, I had done securities law. So, okay, that's, that's the harder part. Right. And I realized I, when, the first, the first deal I ever did, I was like, wait, cash flow. What? <laughs> There's cash flow. Wait a minute. Where have you been all my life? And I was really excited about it, but then I met the clients and I was like, well, these people I want to work with. I want to help these people build something. These people don't help treat me like I'm the help. They, they want they they want my guidance on how to build something really cool and get away from their their nine to five and you know all the things. And then I I started remembering back when I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad years and years and years prior, like back in two thousand or something. And I was like, oh yeah, I kind of put that on the back burner. I read it. I I I read it. I understood it. And I still did the thing of. When I've established myself, then I'll do those things, yeah. right? So I, I, you know, fast forward, you know, a little while later, and and um, I, I, Mauricio was like, "How about you, you help me run this firm?" And I, I was like, "Actually, yeah, I think, I think maybe I will." So that kind of got me to where I am today, and now I'm the managing partner of of Premier Law Group, and Mauricio and I are partners, and and I, and I love it now. I, I thought I wanted to leave the practice of law altogether. And now I'm like, oh, no, I like these people. This is fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating that, you know, sort of perspective you can get w within even a, a specific career path, right? Like even, you know, you mentioned being a doctor, being a any, any of these things that are people look at that field as, I mean, and I didn't like, honestly, until I got into real estate, didn't understand the depth of what being a lawyer meant to like all the different specialties you could have there. Like I understand it on the medical side because I am a specialist. Like I, I but yeah. it's like, I didn't realize you could, you know, sort of find your own niche. I didn't, I also didn't realize like necessarily what even a partnership meant in a lot of ways, like how many different ways there are to partner with people, how many different ways there are to do businesses and things like that. It just, it, it's fascinating to kind of discover that world um, and, and find where you can fit in it. <laughs> Excuse me. It is. And it's, um, you know, once you, once you kind of figure that out, I mean, the thing that I always tell people is, and it's easier said than done, I recognize, which is, figure out what you're amazing at, figure out what you love. That's your lane. Do only that, stay in your lane. And as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we're like, yeah, but I have to do all the things, right? Because if I don't, then who will? No one's going to do it the way I do. And that's true. No one will do it the way you will. However, I had a coach really early on in my legal career 
And um, what she said to me, this is might've been the best piece of advice she ever gave me. And I, I frankly, I don't even really remember that much else that she told me, except this piece of advice, which is sometimes good enough is good enough. And I was like, well, well, wait, what? And she said, if it's a $15 an hour job, then let a $15 an hour person do it. You don't, it's a letter. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be you. Right. And so if you can start to peel your fingers off and then for the rest, there's other people, OPE. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a simple concept, but not always so easy to kind of implement in in the sense that I think I mean at least the way I look at it is like that a lot of people talk about that right like let someone else do the the lower value jobs I think sometimes in the beginning like I've struggled well what where do I fall in that what is my like value (laughs) job (laughs) right like where like am I a $15 an hour am I a hundred like whatever it is like whatever the number is and it's like you I think sometimes just figuring out as you said, like, what are you amazing at and focusing on that? Like even more so much than how much the per hour, it's just, if you're spending time doing what you're good at, then that's going to, you know, sort of create success and then bring in the people around you to help um, support that function. I, I think is is like a, a very, I don't know, smart path to go. Yeah. And, and and even more than that, even further than that is, is not only just what you're good at and amazing at, but what really lights you up. Like, what do you love to do? What is the thing? Like, I'm going to hop out of bed this morning because I get to do this thing. Yeah. Cause there are a few things that I've learned to be good at that. I don't really want to do. Yeah. Right. I could do it. I'm, I'm good at it, but I'm, I'm just like, mm. you know, if I could find someone else who could do this well enough, then for sure, I want to hand that off. That's the harder part, I think, because as entrepreneurs, we can learn almost anything, anybody. I mean, you can learn almost anything and and get kind of good at at least proficient at it. Right. But you're going to be really amazing at the things that you really love to do that light you up. And that's the thing I think that I it was my biggest challenge. And it's still a, a work in progress. I mean, I I meet with my mindset strategist probably twice a week and she she keeps kind of you know, diverting me back to my lane. Like, is that something you should be spending your time on? Does it get you to your big, your big vision, your, you know, your BHAG or whatever it is you want to call it? Your is, is this, is this the thing that really, um, that your why pushes you towards, right? And I think that's the biggest challenge is, is knowing exactly what we want. I mean, one of the things that I told her early on is, you know, I figured out once I know what I want, I always get it eventually it's just the knowing what I want you kind of you confuse the process if you don't really decide and define what it is you want exactly and so I think that's probably that's really the hardest part as entrepreneurs is is knowing really what is it that I want yeah and I love that concept like if you know what it is you'll get it because I think I think that's true and it's maybe harder to figure out what that is the the what you want even harder than the how right like the 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 what might be harder than the how because once you figure it out then you're like okay i can i can find you know people to help me get there i can i can you know reverse engineer the path to whatever that you know whatever that thing is 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then I think everyone by now, if, if you haven't already do read who, not how, right. And once you, but you can't do that until, until you know the, what you're right. That's the key is knowing exactly what, and then there's, there's, you know, always somebody that can help you other people to help you get yeah. there. So, and that is your philosophy, right? The, the OPE, um, we talk about that a little bit, kind of explain to people what you mean, how you implement it, you know, kind of what what's what's behind that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mentioned the the famous purple book, the Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And and that was the first time I had ever heard of the concept of OPM, other people's money. Um, I know it's been around for a long time. I actually started researching it for the book I'm writing. And it's been a, it's a concept that's been around for a really long time. But as I was looking at it, I started thinking, especially as a as a securities lawyer, I started thinking that's not quite enough. It's not quite going to get you there. And and I I really believe that once you figure out what you're amazing at, what you love, what lights you up, and that's your lane, that if you can stay in that lane, the only way to do that is to allow other people to do literally everything else. So OPE is other people's everything. Money is one of those things. Yes, of course. But there's other people's expertise, other people's technology, other people's networks. I mean, uh, literally everything. So it's a it's a real uh, discipline and something that we have to practice, just like going to the gym or any other kind of habit that we have to keep practicing to force ourselves to stay in our lanes and then allow OPE, other people's everything, to help us with uh, with all the rest of it. Um, and that it, the the cool thing about that, and I can say this with with a large degree of confidence as a securities lawyer is not only is that the thing that feels good to do is to let other people do the, the garbage that you don't want to do it's actually the safest thing to do from a legal perspective if you think about it you are doing things that you're an expert at you're doing things that you're amazing at you are going to be safer in your business if you have other people that are experts doing their thing so that whole like could i figure out how to change my oil yeah, I probably could. I do run the risk of letting the car fall on me because I don't really exactly, I don't do it all the time. I'm not an expert at it. You know, I, there's, there's somebody who's, who can do that, that is an expert at it. So why would I spend my time figuring out how to do that when I can, you know, be amazing at something else? And and it's safer for me to allow someone else to do that. Same is true in your business. You know, um, could someone else figure out how to, to do their own securities compliance? Yeah, there's the internet. You could do that. Do you really want to risk? Do you want to risk your future of your business and your family and whatever else to 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 just try to figure it out and wing it? No, there are experts for that. So that's you know OPM and OPM is also a really big responsibility for people. So to do that, you better have other people around you who know exactly what's going on in all the different areas. So that's really where that was born. Uh, and I started writing it out and then I realized like, there's just actually a whole book here. <laughs> so yeah. I'm almost done with that book. It'll come yeah. out next year. <laughs> well, awesome. That'll be something for, for us all to look forward to, but it is, in it, in it, I guess it, you know, you mentioned who, not how, and, and who, not how has, has been like a game changer for me, just yeah. that concept of it, it, it's, I think as a, as entrepreneurs, it's easy to also be kind of in that DIY mindset. And so it, it truly is like a philosophy 
shift in, you know, if you're looking at OPE and, and really looking at these goals that you're trying to accomplish as more about like, what is the team I have to put in place? What, what do I, who do I have to connect with? Who, who's, who's got all the pieces I need to bring in here and, and to make it happen. And, and it's, uh, I think, I think that's a, a, a skill in and of itself. And I, I find that, you know, that's for me, I, I feel like we always list out when we talk about like syndications, there's like the the jobs, right? Like there's acquisition and capital raising and asset management, underwriting, uh, legal compliance. Like there, but I think like one of the really important jobs is that you know sort of orchestrator, right? The 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 gatherer of OPE, right? If yeah. someone who has to has to put that all together, and so I think um, it is a a skill that uh, truly needs to be developed to be like successful on large scale. It is. And I, I have found that um, that's one of my biggest challenges, actually, because that's actually not my lane necessarily is is the finding the OPE. And so, you know, just like any, any other huge task, what I decided was I have to get really good to, at finding one amazing OPE who is good at finding the rest. Mm. Right. Usually. Mm. So I, I you in my bio mentioned visionary. And when I say visionary, I really am thinking about it from like a an EOS rocket fuel um, perspective, the visionary and the integrator. So if anybody out, out there has read Rocket Fuel or um, what's the other one? Uh, he's read he's written several, traction. but it's EOS that Traction. That's the one. Yeah. Um, I always forget that one. Rocket Fuel to me was an easier read. <laughs> traction Traction's a bit heavy. Traction is um, very very tactical. Of like there, it's like a textbook. It is. It is. Um, so visionaries, that's harder for visionaries, for yeah. visionaries to get there, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, and I mean, in an EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system um, way, the, the most important thing for a visionary, I think, is to find their integrator. Hopefully the integrator can help them fill in the gaps with all the other OPs. Um, so you just have to get really good at finding at least one person who really understands and buys into your vision which is a big, that's, that's a big thing to, to ask. Right. But that is the one area where you've really got to get good at it, even if you don't love it. That's, yeah. that's one ex exception, I think, to the rules because you, otherwise, how are you going to fill in all those other people? Um, and it's, it's been one of my biggest challenges, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to find. I mean, that, that's like, it's easy to say, right. Oh, I just need to find someone who buys into my vision and then could put all the pieces in place, right? Like, yeah. like just, simple, just do that. But, but that's, I mean, it's, that's a huge, a hugely important role in like both sides, right? The, the visionary and the integrator, it's, they're, they're both hugely important. And, and if you have someone who is uh, strictly an integrator and, and not, you know, not really visionary, like they're also going to struggle to do it on their own. And, and that like, combining those two superpowers together like that's where you know that i guess that's why it's rock called rocket fuel right because that's where right. where you get you know to really exponentially grow in in whatever you're trying to do right it's like putting those two pieces together oh yeah i mean and and, and you're unstoppable i mean i think it's it's as important as i think finding the perfect spouse really uh, yeah. for your business because it's 
you're unstoppable if you have those two pieces that are that are fully in their gifts, right? And talents. If they they're fully living in their why, they're fully, you know, doing all the things that that they love and are amazing at because they're almost mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a while a visionary can do integrator stuff and for a while an integrator can do visionary stuff, but it's not sustainable to to fully do both. Uh, it's just too much for any single person. So I, that's actually, I think, probably the most important thing is to find is to find that other person, whichever one you are. You know, yep. um, I think probably most of the people in it, that we run across running syndication businesses are going to be in that visionary category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it's you, you know you said that you can do you know w- whether you're one or the other, you might be able to do both to a point. And, and it's funny that really resonated with me because I was like, I don't think I, I don't think I would have known. I don't know that I would have known there were those two categories of people. I don't even, I don't, didn't know on which one I was until I mainly realized I wasn't really an integrator. Like it was just kind of like, <laughs> Hey, I can't do all of these things. Like I have the ideas, but it like, I need to bring in people to make them happen and, and. And, and as you say, like the person to, to align those pieces and, and put it all together. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, I guess, part of the evolution of, you know, business and, and entrepreneurship is kind of figuring out which of those two lanes you fit in and then, and then finding the other and, and connecting. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, which is why I think that, you know, our, any business is really so much of a mindset game. And I never would have thought that before. I mean, it's it's funny because people laugh at me like, there, you're a lawyer and you talk about mindset. That's weird, right? And it is a little bit weird, I guess. But I mean, the things that I figured out in my many, many years now of practicing and, and running a business and and all the things is that it, it, I, I have a passion for helping people create conscious wealth. And so I started kind of digging into like, what does that even really mean? And there really only are three elements to creating conscious wealth education, obviously we all need to educate ourselves, um, access to opportunities to create wealth. You need to know where to find those opportunities, but the third is mindset. And if you have the right mindset, you'll figure out that you have all the access to the education and all the access to opportunities that you need. It might not be the same access as everybody else, but if you have the right mindset, you can get past that too. And so I think once we get the right mindset, we can accomplish anything we want because you have the right mindset to go find those other people. You have the right mindset to stay in the lane that you're supposed to be in. You have the right mindset to do, you know, but if you don't have the right mindset, it doesn't matter how much education you have or how much access to opportunity you have or how many people around you are amazing. If you don't have the right mindset, it's, 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 you might find some success, but you're not going to find what I call conscious wealth, right? Because in order for it to be conscious wealth, it's almost like, um, like you, you can't commit murder without intent, right? Conscious wealth, you have to intend it. It has to be on purpose and intentional. Yeah. And I think the mindset is the most important key to that for sure. Yeah, Com- completely agree. And and I think that the interesting, so at th- this day and age, like it's it's really hard to say you don't have access to the knowledge or the, or the opportunities. Like to, to say that, anybody doesn't have that like i'm sure there are there are people but like the more uh 
the more there is the internet, the more there is social media, the more there is, you know, digital um, resources, the more you're going to be able to to find them. So it is really the mindset that is going to separate the the people that put it to use versus the the people that don't because it because it's there it's 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 accessible it is it is and there are so many free resources even so even if you don't already have money i don't think it necessarily is true that it takes money to make money um i think it makes it easier right having having money is a nice resource to have and it makes everything easier i totally recognize that especially having grown up without any money yeah uh but you can get past it if if you have the right mindset, it's, I mean, I get it. Like I'm not sitting here saying, you know, everybody has the same access. Everybody has the same, I I get that. I, I sound a little privileged right now. However, depending on wherever your starting point is, you can still get there. It just might be harder, but you got to get over it. You got, you just have to. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that is a good point. I mean, it's true. Like maybe not everybody has it. I think the point being all else being equal, you know, it it's what you do, you know, using mindset to use, to take that, that information, that opportunity and actually make something up, something of it is, is really kind of what it, what it comes down to. That's where the mindset becomes so important because it's, I mean, you know, you you say that people kind of give you a hard time about being a lawyer and and talking mindset. And, and I, and like, honestly, four or five years ago, I, I sort of laughed at people that talked about mindset and all of that until I kind of realized how important it was. And now I talk about it all the time and it's kind of like, it just, it takes, I don't have a different, I don't have a different access to opportunities. I now just realize they're opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's no, it didn't, it didn't. So even within myself, like it's just, and you can develop that mindset just like you can develop skills, you know, in, in other areas. So I think it, it's, 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 couldn't agree more that it's hugely important what do you so you know access to opportunities conscious wealth what are you doing from a like an investing standpoint out you know outside of your practice what's your uh what's your i guess philosophy there What, what what are you doing to grow your your business outside of you know law uh, so outside of that, I am a passive investor. Um, you know, once I once I learned that I had been missing that my whole life, I was like, how do I, yeah. how do I get into this? And I started small, right? I, I started literally. I had a client um, who allowed some people to come in as low as five thousand dollars, and I was like, all right, this is one of the first deals that I'm working on. I don't, I haven't really done this yet. I mean, I had bought my own property before but I hadn't passively invested in anyone else's. And so I, I kind of limped in a little bit um, and then realized like, this is, this is amazing. So I'm also, so I am a passive investor. Uh, Just recently I syndicated my own deal, um, which I, I never thought I would do before. Um, And so that was, that was one area where I was like, okay, I've done this, you know, on, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of deals advised on hundreds of deals on the law side of it, you know, let's, let's see. Right. And I'm so glad I did because it's freaking hard. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of work, yeah. but it's not right. I mean, it's yeah. hard, but it's figure outable. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you have the right team around you, and that was the thing, you have to have your OPs around you. Cause I, and so I'm so happy that I have that different perspective because I have so much more empathy for my clients now. 
is looking at like, okay, I get it. Raising money can be hard if you don't, if you don't know, if you don't have the right team around you. So now my approach is, okay, I can give you the technical legal stuff or whatever, but I'm also going to now be from experience advising on, you got to vet your team. You got to make sure you have a person who does this and a person who does that. And, and so I, um, so I guess technically I am a syndicator because I, I syndicated one deal. Uh, and technically you are, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's right. And then the other thing is, um, I have started doing, doing retreats, which is so fun. I love it. And the whole idea behind the retreats is to help people learn how to create conscious wealth right now. The focus is on syndicators and LPs, the passive investors, um, and to talk about how to create conscious wealth through real estate syndication. And, um, so that's another area where I still get to do the lawyer stuff, right? I'm still giving advice on how to be compliant and practice safe SEC, but then you can, you, how else can you do that? Right. And, and which is really fun. Cause I do get to then pull from my experience of my past life and we, and I know how to advise on like mergers and acquisitions or how do you want to do, if do you want to do organic growth, you know? And so I, I get to kind of pull in all the things that I've learned over my 23 years practicing um, in, in the business space. And, but I get to do it in really cool locations and with a really small group of really cool people. And um, so that's, that is uh, one way that I've, I figured out that is the lane I, I really want to be in um, is, is as a strategic advisor on people scaling and how to create conscious wealth. Sounds amazing. I'm sure that's, I mean, that sort of small group setting, you know, and I, you know, people do it, you do masterminds or, you know, on uh, Zoom and what, you know, there's all kinds of virtual versions, but, but being able to, to go someplace and like be in the, in the presence, you know, sort of live of, of people with, varying areas of expertise and and sort of bringing it all together and and creating that environment for um collaboration i think is just it's an amazing idea and, and it makes it makes a ton of sense and I, I think you know can really really needed because it's hard to form like a real deep connection just no matter how many zoom calls you have i think at some point you gotta be in a room together and hang out yeah and, and that's true there is something about the the proximity right the actual physical proximity but also just the you know at a retreat you're you're getting a little vulnerable you know there there actually are some mindset exercises and then there's the legal side and there's the business side and there's all the things right but you're in a relaxed environment um and it helps people's guard uh get let down lowered a little bit right and when you when you have a meal with somebody and all those things i i just think that we cannot we cannot um, emphasize enough how important that is in, in creating the real relationships. And, and I think that's the best way to, to really scale as well is to have a- access to those other people and, and to get really close with them and figure out what everybody's goals are and, and how they can support each other. And then the same thing is true when you're, you know, one of the things I want to do is matchmaking retreats where we, we put passives and active investors together to develop those relationships before anybody's even pitched to. Yeah. Right. And you think about that level of relationship. I mean, you're, you'll have an investor for life. Once you do have an investor, it's, it's a bigger investment, right. Of time um, to develop it, but you'll have, you'll have 
really partners for life in your business. So every time you have a deal, you'll be able to go to that small group of people and, and at least start there to seed it because um, right. you've got that trust. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I think it's a it's a great opportunity, you know, kind of, I guess, which, whichever side you sit on, if you're a syndicator or an LP, like it being able to be, because I think even from the LP's perspective, right, you're you're going to this retreat and obviously the the syndicators that are there, that's a that's a commitment to be, you know, sort of on a on a personal level, have that relationship with their investors. So I think it's uh, it, it it shows, um, you know, collaboration for both sides. Yeah, yeah, and I a lot of active investors, I advise people when they they say, "How do I break into syndication?" I think the best way, if you can, and I know not everybody can, but if you can, the best way is to start off as a passive investor. Get into a deal if you can, learn about what's important to you, learn about the, the syndicator that you're investing with, go through all the steps as an investor so that you then have the investor's uh, mindset in, you know, you have that, the goals in mind when you go and you're pitching to other people. So you know, well, this was important to me. I want to make sure I deliver this to my investors as well. I do recognize that not everyone can do that, but if you can, I think that's the best way. And then the next best way is to find someone who's really, really good at, who's done a bunch and almost intern with them, help them yeah. out. Say, I, I can do this one job, asset management or whatever it is, right? I can do this one job on your deal. I just want to learn from you. And there are plenty of sponsors and, and you know, really experienced syndicators that would welcome that. Yeah, I think it's it just again it, it goes back to to what you spoke about with mindset is is these these opportunities are accessible in some way and they're just you know maybe the different ways to get involved but but knowing that they exist and then taking steps taking action to get there is just really important. Um Bethany I, I want to switch gears and uh make sure I get time to ask you the questions I ask every guest. Uh, first one, uh, being based on the name of the show, I always want to ask everybody, you know, what is your, why what's, uh, what's driving you, uh, and having further and further success. So it might seem trite, um, but it, it is really my daughter and, but not only just, oh, my daughter is, she's watching everything that I do. Right. And I want to do really epic shit but not so that she's impressed by me. I want to do really epic shit. So she just looks at me and she goes, yeah, that's what women do. I want to set the example of you can achieve this because you've seen me achieve it. Because whenever your brain sees evidence of something, then it knows it can achieve it. And so I just want to be evidence to her that she can do anything she wants. Yeah, yeah. Be be that example. I think it's just that that's it. You know, we... we uh... I don't think it's trite at all. I think that's exa exactly what I want, you know, with, with my kids as well is just like, just look at, just show them, you know, what the possibilities are, right. Then they can do whatever they want with it, but just show them what the possibilities are. Um, tell me something about yourself that isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, uh, anything that you're comfortable sharing to let listeners know you better. Uh, Let's see. I, I've been asked this before and there, there are some where I'm like, oh, do I want to say that? Because I don't know if I ever want to. So I'll tell you first that I've never actually. Um, when I am 
stressed out or just trying to kind of work out the kinks, I I write stand up that will never see the light of day. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Why will it never see the light of day? Oh no, uh, I definitely don't have that thick of a skin. I have a pretty thick skin as a lawyer, but not not like stand up level thick skin. But I I write I write out like I think things are funny in my head, so I'll write out like a sketch in my head, or I'll you know in, in the shower I'm like thinking it thinking it through whatever, um as a as the way to sort of just get the creative stuff out so that I can either write you know I'm you know writing the book or um when I'm getting ready to do a talk or whatever uh, it helps me sort of get creative. I think it's time to start a YouTube channel. You have your only old, My own stand up. Right? <laughs> She's your gonna be like, Mama, you're not that YouTube funny." Channel. Yeah, well, <laughs> kids never think that, but they, they, that, I mean, I think that's that's great. I, I every everybody, like, have, I don't know if everybody, <laughs> I assume everybody because I do, but I feel like like most people have something like that, like a a creative side of themselves that maybe isn't like forward facing but just something that they do that like relaxes them like yeah you know writing writing comedy for me it's music like people have things that they do that are just uh that you know kind of it allows some of the other stuff to kind of flow out and and just let you um settle your mind so that's that's really cool i do think you should uh start a youtube channel but <laughs> I think I'm probably a lot funnier in my head than, than that's I'm okay but someone you know someone's there's there's millions and millions of people like other people will someone else will think it's funny I think it's it's just <laughs> a matter of putting it out there um when aside from until this YouTube channel starts when people want to reach out to you in the meantime what's the best way to get a hold um on Instagram it's Bethany underscore Laflamme and I do have a YouTube channel. It's just mostly uh, advice on on syndication and scaling your business. And that is also my name, Bethany Laflam, on YouTube. And you can always reach out at team at plglp.com. Put that stuff in the show notes. Final question for you. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is trying to get started uh, as an entrepreneur in real estate, however you want to take it, but just someone, you know, they hear this, they're inspired and they, they want to kind of know what, what next steps they should take. As quickly as you can define your lane as quickly as you can define, figure out what it is you're amazing at, figure it out what the, what is, what is it that you absolutely love to do? And start looking for those OPs right away. Do not try to build this all by yourself. You don't have to. There's no badge of honor in suffering and doing it all by yourself. There are there are people that that want to help you and they want to stay in their lane and they want they need somebody that's in yours. So, I there's no shame in asking for help and in fact that is the very very best way to build an empire. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like the the people that I've seen be most successful have the most you know sort of growth in the long term are are people that did exactly that just let's let's you know build that team right from the beginning look at this on a on a large scale and and not trying to kind of uh, keep it all small you know within themselves so I think that's that's phenomenal um, well 
Bethany, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show, uh, sharing some of your story with us. And um, I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, folks listening, I know you're going to love this episode. Please like, rate, and review so we can get more great guests like Bethany. And we'll have all of her information in the show notes so you can connect. And thank you all for listening. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why?